the second half, you can have a seat today. We're glad that you're here today. I heard the chairs moving. I was like, it must be the Holy Spirit rumble. It's time to move. All right. Welcome to Church Project. We're glad that you're here today. Um, we are a church. We're a gathering of people that um, love Jesus. We love the mission of Jesus in this world, and we want to live that out together. We're also a project. We're an ongoing pursuit to discover what Christ originally intended for church to be. We've never done church today. We've never done church tomorrow. We don't know what God's doing, how he's directing the church, but I just got to believe that he is moving together in the world in the capital C church, and we get to be part of it. So look around and congratulate your neighbors. Say, congratulations, you're part of God's biggest movement of all time. Like, you are the church. Well, here's the deal. Today we're going to do things just a touch differently. Um, you can open up your YouVersion Bible app if you don't have it. It's a free Bible app. You can download it on your smartphone. Go ahead and do it. Check Facebook if you want to. It doesn't matter. But on the YouVersion Bible app, go to the live events, and our notes are on there. I would encourage you to save the notes from today so that when you go to house church later on this week, you can dialogue over scripture. I mean, this monologue is great, right? Like, it's awesome. But when we get to dialogue over scripture and we get to make it, like, fall in line with relationships and everything, that's when the gospel really takes root in our lives. So I'd encourage you, download the notes today, follow along. But also, I'm encouraging you to please get into a house church. So everyone say, I will get into a house church no matter what it takes. Okay. Yeah, some of you did not lock eyes with me, and that's okay. <laughs> I'm going to send Jeff after you, and he's a big man. So, oh, and Garrett. Garrett and Jeff, you two could take. Uh, I'm derailing. I'll come back. Okay. So I'm excited to announce today, we are going to do things a little differently. We will, in a little bit, be going through Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 26. We've been going through the book of Acts for over two years. We go verse by verse through scripture. So we will be in that in a little bit. But before then, I'm very super excited to announce uh, a lot of you know Rachel Perman and Jason Perman. Uh, Rachel, you've probably noticed she's been downstairs with our kids a whole lot over the last month. We announced when we first came here that Aaron Bryson and Carl Bryson, Aaron was going to start stepping back from Project Kids and pursuing things that God's called her, so tears. Um, also excited to announce, though, that Rachel, since then, has taken on the new um, Project Kids director, so Aaron is still kind of helping transition, which is really good, and we'll honor her in, in a few weeks, but right now, I want to invite Rachel to come up, because I believe, no, I don't believe, I know she has an incredible heart for our kids, and she wants to give us a little challenge, so would you please welcome Rachel Perman, our new Project Kids director. Oh yeah, sorry, I messed up. Don't welcome her yet, she'll be up in a minute. There, we are a project, and I didn't get, I forgot, my bad. Save that applause, because there's a video that we're gonna watch first. You'll find us laughing. <laughs> Playing. And talking. You'll find us hurting. Crying. And, and maybe fighting. fighting. Yeah, we sometimes fight. You'll find us in the home. In parks. And in church. Really, we are downstairs right now. We are your children. Your youth. And your responsibility. The voice of the world is getting louder. 
It's getting harder and harder to hear the message of God's love. The time is now for Christ-like focus on the children. We need a church that will minister to us and incorporate us into this church family. We need to know we matter. We need to know we are loved. We are disciples in training, not disciples in waiting. Please don't underestimate us. We may be the church of the future, but we are absolutely the church right now. You are in change. In 10 years, I will be 23. 2016. And the question is? And the question is? And the question is? Will it be too late? Shoot. I get to come up after that. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, I'm so excited to be up here talking to all of you. I asked Darren if I could have 10 minutes, so we're going to shoot for 10 minutes. Um, I am so excited to be in this position downstairs with the kids. Um, I've been actually downstairs um, with the kids since I think the only service I spent up here was the first week we were here. So I've been downstairs with them, and I haven't really missed all of you. <laughs> and I think um, that sounds strange, but... I hope you find comfort in that because we've had a blast downstairs. It's been an interesting road kind of figuring out what we're going to do downstairs because it's such a beautiful space, but it's just one big space. And with kids from birth to fifth grade, that's kind of a tricky model to figure out how we're going to get Christ into these tiny humans without it being chaotic. And we're getting there. So if you've been down there helping, thank you um, for being patient and kind of working through the kinks. Um, I feel like I'm the best person for this job, and that sounds really cocky, but I don't think you all would feel comfortable if I didn't feel like I was the best person for this job. Um, it's been really cool to see how God's moved me into this position because um, last year, this would not have been what I wanted to do. Um, I homeschool, so I'm with my kids all the time, and um, so coming to run a kid's ministry feels strange, um, but God's really orchestrated it, and he's put some cool things on my heart, and I do feel like I'm the best person for this job right now, and I'm grateful that Erin was the best person for the job for the six years prior, um, because she set an amazing foundation for me to come in and start building on, um, and that's all we're doing. We're building on that foundation that she set, so I'm so grateful for her um, for her dedication the last six years. Um, you don't just get me in this position, even though I'm up here talking, you get Jason. Um, he, uh, he, he's kind of a really cool behind the scenes guy. He's helping me tear down. He loaded my car with a whole bunch of stuff this morning and he ordered pizza for a meeting that I'm gonna talk about here in just a little bit. And um, he's just, he's, he's enabled me to come into this position so beautifully. He prays for me. He loves me. He encourages me. He's my biggest cheerleader. Um, and today is our 12 year anniversary. So you also get, yeah, yeah. So you get 12 years of marriage. And, and I think there's something beautiful about a healthy marriage, um, coming in and helping, um, encourage and love your kids. So that's really, really cool. I'm going to keep looking at my notes cause I'm really nervous. Um, so I started this position praying 
um, if Jesus was running a kids' ministry, what would he do? And um, technically, he kind of did. Um, when he appointed the original 12, um, he, they were young in their faith. They weren't children, but they were young in their faith. And what would it look like if all we did was view our kids downstairs as just young in faith and not young? Um, because there's so much power in those tiny bodies downstairs. Um, so in Mark 3:14, it says, Jesus appointed the 12 um, that they might be with him and then he might send them out. Be with him was before send them out. And I think it's kind of this unspoken desire that the church would raise children to be sent out and be the light of the church and the light of Jesus to the world. But they are not going to be the light of Jesus and the light in this world unless we're with them first. And I, that's, that's just really what I feel charged to do is to be with them. Um, we can't expect to send them out as members of God's kingdom if we're not willing to be with them. Um, in Psalm 127, it says, children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Have you ever read that verse? Like, I think the verse after that, it's like, fill your quiver, whatever. Not whatever, it's good stuff, it's in there. <laughs> but, but that verse, children are like arrows in the hands of warriors. If we as a body are warriors, and we don't have arrows, we're not much of a warrior, right? Like, air, oh, the, the strength of that, that imagery to me is so profound, because we can't be in battle without our arrows. Have you ever viewed your children, our children, as, as instruments to the battle that we fight in this world? Like, that's huge. That's not, that's not something to take lightly. Like, we're doing fun, cute things downstairs, but it's, it's big. It's important. <clears throat> we have to incorporate them into the church. In the, in the video, you heard um, a couple of the kids say, you know, don't underestimate us, incorporate us into this family. We don't want our kids who are just attached to a program because if they're just attached to a program, there's no strength in that. They're gonna come upstairs when they've graduated out of Project Kids and they're gonna feel like this isn't home. This needs to feel like home. It needs to feel like they're moving from their living room downstairs to their bedroom upstairs. It all needs to feel comfortable and at home, right? <clears throat> if it's a home, in this building to them, it's going to be a home outside of this building to them. The church will be their home in their hearts because it's their home here where we stand. Um, I was reading this article recently, and it was an interview with a former um, child soldier in Africa. And he said this, and I just wanted to share it with you. He said, what made a child more susceptible to joining an armed group was often the absence of a stable family environment and parental figures. So if, we're, if we call ourselves family, as adults in this room right now, if we call ourselves family, if we're brothers and sisters in Christ, then guess what? Congratulations, you all are aunties and uncles. And I know that my aunts and uncles in my life have been profound. They've cared for me in ways that at times my mom couldn't and my dad couldn't. They've been, they've been my cheerleaders. They've been my encouragement. And so if we are brothers and sisters in Christ, then you all are aunties and uncles to the kids who are right downstairs right now. What, 
what does that do to you? <laughs> like, how does that charge you? Because you could, you have the opportunity to be the cool aunt or uncle who's involved and gets to do the cool things and be so impressed by your nieces and nephews. Or you could be the awkward uncle whose name gets mixed up with the dog's name at family dinners. Like, that's, that's not what I want for our kids. I want our kids to know your name. I want that for them because that's what's gonna incorporate them into this family, right? <clears throat> so, just expect that you're gonna see them up here a lot more. I don't know in what capacity yet, we're still working out the details. So expect that you'll see them up here a lot more, but I really, really hope that you choose to come hang out in the living room downstairs with us, right? <clears throat> so Jesus brought a child in front of the disciples and used that child as an example of what to be like. He said, he, he put the child in front of them and he said, here's what I want from you. This is how I want you to be. So I think it's time we quit thinking, what do I have to offer a child? But rather, what will, what will being with these kids do for me? Like we have to quit thinking that we're offering them so much because we do, because we've had more experience, but we're underestimating what they have to offer us. And it's huge, it's big, it's so big. And it's not because I'm up here saying it, it's because Jesus already did, right? He didn't, <laughs> he didn't take uh, Apostle Peter and put this full-grown man in front of a group of children and say, okay, kids, here's how you humble yourself and be like this full-grown Christian man. He didn't say that. He used the child as an example. It's big. If we fully understood that our, ki our kids are a spiritual force to be reckoned with, if we understood that, there's, that the, the same Holy Spirit that has made you cry today in worship is the same Holy Spirit that's in those tiny bodies downstairs working with them as they play silly toilet paper games about learning about Lazarus, that's what they're doing right now. Um, if we understood that, it would not be so hard to maintain a volunteer base in churches across the country, across the world. It is like, I've spoken with many mega church children's pastors in the last couple months. And they, even if their program is huge, they still have a hard time maintaining volunteers. And I think it's because people are not understanding that they are the church right now. That's, that's what that video said. Like, yes, they're gonna grow up and they're gonna do great things for the kingdom, but they're growing right now and doing great things for the kingdom now, and are we giving them the opportunity to do that? There's a long list of reasons people give not to volunteering with youth or kids. It's not my calling, I don't have patience, it's a bad season of life right now for me to commit to that, and I get that. I've had my bad seasons, I've had struggle, and most of the time when I've used those excuses, it was true. We, it, we're not all called to ministry at the same time in the same capacity. However, if I'm gonna be completely honest with myself, a lot of that time it was an excuse. It was an opportunity, opportunity for me to just come and get filled instead of pour out. It was an opportunity for me to assume that people could just see my stage of life and, and assume the best of me. But our kids don't know that. And if we keep using these examples and these excuses of why not to volunteer, if we keep saying it's not my calling, we're not giving them the opportunity to step into theirs. We're not giving them their opportunity to 
comfort and love and see pain and see struggle if we wait for everything to be excellent across the board to pour into them downstairs. <clears throat> Where did I go? <laughs> I got lost, sorry, hold on. Oh, um, I heard a friend say that there's no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. And that's true. And if, if the Holy Spirit is moving in my children, I'm gonna call them my children. Can I just adopt all of your kids? That they're mine. They're downstairs and I love them and I love caring for them. And in fact, it's really hard for me to like be up here right now, not with them because I've had so much fun with them. Um, but there's no junior Holy Spirit. It's, he's not, the Holy Spirit doesn't temper himself for our children. We temper the Holy Spirit for our children. And that can't happen. It can't happen anymore. We're underestimating what they can do. And there's, I have a couple stories um, because I talked with the children's pastor down at Woodlands and he was like, just share stories, share about what the kids are doing. Um, so how many of you know Brinley Bryson? Okay, keep your, hand, keep your hand up if you've had a full length conversation with Brinley Bryson. <laughs> yeah, a couple of your hands dropped. Um, she is, she's one of my favorites, and she, but she doesn't talk a whole lot unless you get her kind of one-on-one. -on -one. And um, her and Michaela downstairs, my daughter Michaela, they, we've been doing these really cheesy worship videos, but they were like, can we lead the kids in worship? And I was like, yes, it keeps me from doing it. And so they've been up there and they're learning. So they're watching the motions on this video and then they're doing it for the kids and they're making up their own motions as they go. And it's so sweet. So Brinley comes up to me a couple weeks ago and she's like, Rachel, can I invite some of the other kids up on stage to help me lead? We don't have a stage. And I was like, if you invite other kids up on stage to help you lead, you won't be leading anybody because there's not very many kids to pull on stage with you. But she did it anyway. So we, we went from having all these kids sitting right here watching this to them all being right here, all 15 of them or 20 of them, you know. But it was so cute because she was stepping into something that wasn't probably comfortable for her. And we want to say that it's a cute story and she's darling, but we don't call Jeremy cute when he's up here leading. We don't say, oh, he did such a cute thing today. No, we call him powerful. And we say that he's walking in the spirit because he's desiring to lead us in worship. And that was Brinley. Another story, Michaela, I, I like talking about my kids, so if I'm up here, that might, I'm, I'm hoping we get more kids so I have more kids to talk about. <clears throat> but Michaela, <clears throat> two, a couple weeks ago, we were at home and we were getting ready to have friends over for dinner. And I was just sitting with the kids on the couch, hanging out Sunday afternoon. And uh, I was like, shoot, I got to get up and vacuum. We got to get the house ready for our company. And she was like, she's like, are you being a Mary or a Martha? That's what she said to me, because we had just learned about Mary and Martha. But she didn't like, she didn't move her eyes away from the TV. She just said, mom, are you being a Mary or a Martha right now? And I was like, girl. <laughs> but we don't. We don't call Aaron when he's up here holding us accountable to the things we've learned. We don't say that he's being a smart aleck or being a jerk. We, we desire that of him because that's how the spirit has moved in him. And, and the spirit moved in my daughter that day to help her recall the story that she learned so that she could step into an, a role of accountability, which I'm pretty sure that's going to be her role. <sighs> 
Lord Jesus, be with me. <laughs> they, say, they say strong-willed kids will be great leaders one day, and she's already stepped into that leadership role, and I just need a little bit of pray, prayers, okay? Um, so that's, that's an example of our kids being arrows. They're sharp, they're to the point, they have purpose, and they can defeat the enemy alongside us if we let them. So let's, let's flip the script on what kids' ministry is. Let's not think, oh, I have to show up on Sunday and work downstairs. I get to show up on Sunday. I get to work downstairs. Like, we don't, we don't throw out the excuses of, I don't have time, I don't have patience, I, it's not my calling, when we show up and we participate in worship, or when we greet people at the door, or when we, when we participate in, in other parts of the service. They are part of the service. They're just not in the same room right now but they're in the same building, same spirit, same strength. Like what would it look like if we all took this message right now and used that to raise these tiny humans into a place of purpose and value? Could they, could they heal? Could they cast out demons and energy that shouldn't be here? Could they do big things for the kingdom? Yes, we're teaching them sweet Bible stories of the Old and New Testament, but they're learning how to love if we're down there with them. And so that's just my encouragement to you. We're having a meeting after church today just to kind of talk about the new outlook of downstairs. We're having to kind of change things up from the way things were at Dayspring. Um, and so I'd really love if you'd like to come. I really would love for you to come. Um, whether you're a parent of a kid who, who's down there and you want to hear about what we're doing, or if you're a current volunteer or you'd like to be a volunteer, please tell me you'd like to be a volunteer because I want my kids to know their aunties and uncles. <laughs> That's what I'm going to call you, okay? And it's, it might be weird, but like, let's change the culture of this, this building. We're in a new space. We get to do something new. Let's like yeah. live it up instead of just wait on it. Mm -hmm. So that's what I have for you. Thank you so much for listening. My goodness. My goodness. Wow. My goodness, thank, thank you. Um, Rachel, we're not done. So we'll do that. We'll put Rachel right here, right there-ish. Um, and I'm going to ask, because I just see a lot of college students. When I see college in this room, I'm super pumped, because then they've graduated and continue to graduate in their faith. So I'm going to ask our college students to just surround Rachel. Um, literally, just put your, your hands on her or others and pray over her, and we're going to do it kind of, go ahead, college students, if you're up, come on, get around Rachel, because she's moving into a very powerful position here, and so we're going to do it like, like they do in Mexico, and that means on the count of three, everyone out loud, just start praying for Rachel, and then when I, I feel like it's getting awkward, I'll close us out, but college students, just lay your hands on Rachel and pray over her just out loud on three, three, two, one, go. God, equip Rachel. Let her have a soft, soft heart. And I pray that through her, we can watch these arrows getting sharper and sharper and sharper. That her, the volunteers, church project, would partner with the parents as we send out these mighty warriors from this place forward. We pray that your Holy Spirit guides and directs her 
in our Project Kids area in a powerful, powerful way. Thank you for being able to do life together on this purpose and for this reason. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. College students, that was amazing. Thank you, Rachel. That was awesome. I'm pumped. I'm going to jet, and I mean jet, through this passage, Acts chapter 20, verses 13 through 26. I'm going to highlight some very specific things because I think God is calling us to do something together as a body of Christ later in a few minutes. And so I'm going to read through Acts chapter 20, verses 13 through 26. And this is what I want you to think about when we're reading this passage, okay? What do we do when our plans and God's plans collide? What do we do when our plans and God's plans collide? Think about that as we read this passage. Acts chapter 20, verses 13 through 26. This is Paul talking. He said, we went on ahead of the ship and sailed for... uh, (laughs) What? 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 Assos? <laughs> I'm going to butcher these names, people. Where we were going to take Paul aboard, he had made this, this arrangement because he was going there on foot. When he met us at Assos, Asos, whatever, we took him aboard and went on to Mytilene. Mm-hmm. The next day we set sail from there and arrived in Chios. The, that, the day after that, we crossed over to Sam, Samos, Samos, and on the following day arrived at Miletus. Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus, I nailed that one, to avoid spending time in the providence of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the providence of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. Verse 22. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Wow. Verse 24. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and to complete the task that God has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. Let me pray. God, thank you for this passage. I pray that you'll speak to us and show us some amazing things about who you are and who we are in you. In your name we pray, amen. So what do we do when our plans and God's plans collide? Has that any, happened to any of you before? You think, I know what I'm going to do. And all of a sudden, God's like, really? Record squeak. And like, here we are. Like, okay, what do we do when that happens? To be driven by something deeper within 
is a true gift. To be driven by something in here is a true gift. So when our external plans meet up with God's plans, it's like, wait, okay, I guess I'm not going there. I'm not doing this. I'm going from this city to that city. I'm meeting these people. I'm doing this as Paul is. But he's been driven by something so deep that when God's plans and his plans collide, it's a true gift. Because he's not just driven by the exterior. He's driven by something deep to know who God is and to know who we are. If the only way that Paul can go from town to town and city to city, from prison to prison and hold plans loosely is to know who God is and know who he is in in God. Amen? In a world of shifting sand and fads and trends, we are drawn to true focus. We are drawn to something that looks like it is going to have depth. We are drawn to something that has a lot of history to it, that looks real, and it's not just something that's going to be shifting and changing. We are drawn to that as humans, to know who we are and to know what we do. How many of you have seen Hitch the movie? Huh? You know what that is, the dance? Have you seen that part? Okay, they hitch the movie, the one guy's trying to dance, and he's like, no, no, man. Here's how you dance if you want to impress the ladies. Just keep it right here. (laughs) Elbows six inches from the side, right there. Like, keep it right here. Don't get all funky. You don't got it. Like, right? Like, it's not in you. Don't act like it's in you. Just keep it right here. Slow and steady. I'm not even going to try to show you otherwise, okay? Thank you, Jason. Just think of that. That was our reality in Christ. Not to try to pretend to know all the funky dances and to do this and that, but just to know who God is and who he's created us to be. To stay focused on him, to be driven by something deeper within is a true gift. Amen? I look at this passage, and I'm going to fly through it. You're going to have to talk about this at house church, so just take notes, right? Because what do we do when God's plan and our plan collides? Paul, let's look in this passage. Paul, in verse 13, says what? He made what? Arrangements in verse 13. I made arrangements. It's going to be there on foot. And so we see Paul, Paul's plan. He was, he was communicating. He was connecting the dots. He was making plans. He was having wisdom. He was doing that. I made arrangements, forethought. I used all my connections, my education, everything. I had plans. Then we see verse down in 16. Do you see that in 16? Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by, what was it, what was the time possible, by the day of Pentecost. So he said, Paul's plans is, I made arrangements, by possible I want to be here at this time, and I think God is saying right there, hold your plans actively indifferent. Paul even notices, he's like, I want to be in Jerusalem by this Pentecost time, this celebration. Like, I made plans, I know what I'm doing, and God is reminding Paul in verse 16 to actively be actively indifferent, like hold our day loosely and say, God, what do you have for my life? I've made the plans, I think I know what I'm doing, I think, what, I, think I know what today looks like, I think what tomorrow is going to be is this, but to hold it loosely. Okay, let's continue. We see down in verse 18 and in verse 20. 
I like how it says multiple times, you knew, Paul's talking to the church, he said, you knew this about me, you knew? I would say this, as a church, being known by others is God's tool to help us. I mean, Paul, as he's traveling through, he said, you knew my plans, you knew this. So that, that, that just tells us right there that he was an open book. He had relationships. He knew people. And not only that, they knew him because they knew his plans. And so he's looking at the church and he's saying, you knew that I was going to do this and that I was this and I was part of this. This is Paul's plan. And then he was also known because in verse 20, it said publicly he went from house to house teaching not only in the synagogue, but he went house to house and he was teaching. So we can read here that he was in deeper relationships, a whole nother level of relationships. And God's plans here is in verse 23. If you look in verse 23, it says, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. And we see here that Paul is saying, I made plans. If possible, I'm going to be at this place by this time. You knew my plans. You knew what I was doing. And we get down to God's ultimate plan in verse 23, which is the Holy Spirit is warning him that prison and hardship are facing him in every single city. And to listen and to obey to what God is doing and to count the cost of knowing God is worth it. Paul's saying, I'm going from city to city. I'm actively in holding my plans up, but I'm making plans at the same time. Like, God, what are you doing? And God all along is saying, you know what? There may be prison. There may be hardship facing, it, facing you. And Paul's saying, but I'm trusting you in the uncertainty as to where you are taking me. I'm a planner. Anyone else in this room a planner? I love changing it up, though. I love, I love like, let, let's shake this thing up. I can see Paul as he's walking through. He's making these plans. He's meeting people in every city. He's going to house to house. He's getting to know relationships. And all along, the Holy Spirit is kind of telling him, you may be, you may be um, in prison. You may face hardships. And Paul is going, all the plans that I made, I'm going to actively be holding them indifferently. Saying, God, when my plans and your plans collide, when I think I'm going this way, but I end up going this way, when that collides, when I hope I make it to Jerusalem by this Pentecost, when that collides, I'm driven by something deeper. The Holy Spirit is guiding me. That's all I got with this passage. Is that okay? Pretty good, though. I mean, if we get that, it's pretty good. I'm working on getting it, too. And I think in house churches, you can really talk about this even more. What I want to do today, though, is I want us to enter into seeking God in a deeper way. I want each of us to spend time reflecting in this place together as a body of Christ, asking God to speak to us individually. There is a great exercise that I've been going through and others have been going through, and it's just an exam. It's a time to reflect a time to pause, and a time to seek God in our active life. I could talk all about it right now, and I can show you about examine and teach you all about it, but we could just do it. So we're just going to do it. I would ask you just to close your Bible.
push your neighbor away if they're too close. Get in as much as a comfortable position as you can. Some of you may end up falling asleep. That's fine. When was the last time you took a moment to breathe? I'd encourage you just to close your eyes. If you want to put your head on your shoulders, then go for it. Or hands, you know what I'm saying. Well, I want to walk us through a few steps of seeking a deeper identity so that when our plans collide with God's, we're not driven by our plans, but we're driven by God. A deeper identity, a deeper purpose. I'm gonna walk us through three sections of reflection this morning. And then I'm gonna have Ryan about midway, he's gonna come up and transition and walk us through a few more sections so don't be off guard when a different voice starts talking up here. My hope and prayer is that you would just engage in this and ask God to show you, to speak to you. So if you want to hold your hands just in front of you with your palms open and say, God, I receive, then go for it. If you just want to sit with your head bowed, go for it. Whatever's comfortable, just close your eyes and reflect and let's breathe for just a few moments. Just Take in a couple deep breaths. Just slowly in, hold it, and slowly out. And this first movement of the exam is just gratitude to give thanks to God for what we've received. So as you reflect on your week, think back on all the places where you experienced joy and happiness. It is sometimes easy to focus on all the things that go wrong. Let's take a moment to think about all that is good in your life. And thank God for giving you moments of laughter, moments of calm and rest. Maybe there was a moment when you felt peace or protection. Reflect through your week that we just came through and thank God for all the good in your life. Thank you, God. Now let's ask God to show us areas in our lives that might need to change. Sometimes we sin and we don't even know it. And these times we need the Holy Spirit to point out that sin so we can repent. Think through your week and ask God to show you any areas where you sinned.
What were the situations surrounding those sins? And as you grow in your faith, ask the Holy Spirit to continue to convict you. And part of changing is knowing what needs to change. Ask God to open your eyes to see areas in your life that need to be changed. Thank you, God. And now let's examine our week. Just give an account for our words and our thoughts and our actions. And think back through the highlight of your week. What are the basis for the conversations you had this week? Think about the words you spoke. Now, go back through your week and focus on your thoughts. What thoughts come to mind? And finally, think about your actions this week. Did your words, your thoughts, and your actions point people toward Jesus? Or do they point people toward you? Just think about your thoughts, words, and actions. Now shift from shift from thinking about the past and let's think about the coming week. As you envision your week. What patterns do you see that might need to change? Are there areas of your life that are unhealthy? Acknowledge those areas and ask God to give you strength to break those patterns. What rhythms of your life are you happy with? As you look forward to the coming week, where are the places that bring you the most joy? Now ask God to protect those times from the enemy and ask God to allow you to experience more of those times of joy. Continue thinking through your coming week. What do you already have planned that God can use to make himself known in your life? 
and in the lives of those that you interact with. Think about the people that you're planning to be around. How can you be Christ to them? Take a moment now to pray for boldness, to love yourself, and to love those around you in a way that brings glory to the Father. Now open your eyes, lift up your head, look around the room. These people are your people. One body working together to support each other to the glory of God. Our enemy knows that it's easier to pick us off one by one than to do it if we're all living life together. So look around and remember to pray for one another this week turn to somebody next to you and shake hands or give them a high five or give them a hug. Make room in your schedule to have community. If you've never been part of a house church, this might be a great week to come to a house church. (laughs) Easter is just around the corner. And Easter, like Christmas, is a time when people are much more open to church and faith and spirituality and all those things that we offer here at Church Project. So I would encourage you and ask you to begin thinking about and praying for people that God might place on your heart to invite to come to church on Easter Sunday. People are much more open uh, on those kind of benchmark holidays of the Christian calendar. Finally, if you're planning to be a part of Project Kids, and even if you're not planning on being part of Project Kids, let curiosity guide you downstairs to go to that meeting and get pizza and learn more about how you might be more involved in church project. We are a mighty church, a mighty people, but we're much stronger and more capable if we do this together. If we're going to rely on three or four people to do everything, it's just not going to go over well. But if we can all use the gifts that God's given us, we can change this community starting right here today at that meeting right after church. So thank you so much for joining us this morning. Um, I hope that time of reflection was good. I don't know about you guys, but I just feel like there's, I don't make time to really think and reflect about my week and my coming week and maybe think about the the plans that God has for me and my plans and how I might be able to do what God wants me to do and still be able to do the things that I enjoy doing. And I think as we align ourselves more closely with who God is and who he is to us, 
we'll find that our desires and his desires will come in sync. So I would encourage you throughout your week to just take time to reflect on who God is. And it sometimes it just takes, you know, five or ten minutes of just really sitting and praying and asking God to show you. So thanks for joining us in that. We good? All right, see you next week.